Hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Hole. whoa. No, you weren't here last week. We switched it up. Uh, I started off now. Right? Oh, wait, no, Justin started off last week. Hi. Uh, welcome. Uh, it's Justin. Welcome to Heavy Hole. How you doing? I'm Big Will, a.k.a. still in the middle somehow. And I'm Tom, and I feel like you guys are the jerky boys. Yeah, well, you know the, what I mean? <laughs> hey. This is an amazing flavor of smoked jerky that Justin has provided for us this evening. That's right. Uh, not a sponsorship, just a, a thank you. Thank you for being a friend. Of course, yeah. Well, future sponsor, once I make uh, my first million off this fantastic mm. jerky, family recipe. Um, yeah. It's been handed down. Whose family? Uh, I found at an estate sale a dusty book of some family uh, from the North Shore of Long Island. You found Island. the jerky at an estate sale? <laughs> Should I have and, eaten this? Uh, yeah, it, it just directions to uh, to make a beautiful spice blend, so I yeah. slapped it on some meat, and uh, five hours later, here yes, we are. Yes, slap, uh, slap a ham. Uh, listen, uh, no, we started off a little silly, got a little loose. Tom, yep. Tom's back. I am. I'm here What's to up? put my foot down. Yeah. Get, bring this bring this this to order. Bring Next this. week I'm starting it. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. I'm we, okay with that. Okay. We knocked you down a peg this week. We well, had to Well, you know, I just came up from from the peg of old uh Georgia, Savannah, mm. Georgia. Okay. Yeah. I'm just starting with how my week was. Yes. I'm taking it over. Yeah, so yeah. Just drove back thirteen hours. R- wow. Reminds me of tour. Like okay. I'm in some kind of uh goth band with my now fiance. Mm-hmm. Uh just a two person tour. All the way up. Top three albums you and your fiance listen to on this road trip. Estrellar by Marcos Valle. Yeah, I can't stop listening to that. that it's a good one, oh right? God. I um, prefer the demo. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Fair, we had many fair. of them. Samba 69. It's fun. Oh. It's good stuff. Um, I prefer Mambo number nine. Lou Vega. <laughs> he had a lot. He named a lot of women in that song. He I, did. Yeah, he's a yeah. popular to, guy. Shout out to women. Yeah, I wonder Mom, what he's Mambo doing now. Mambo number nine. It must be good to be him. Um, I also, we listen to a lot of podcasts. So we listen to Tim Dillon because oh. he's funny. Love Tim. Yeah. Yeah. He's God. a good guy. Um, I'm afraid to share any opinion on that man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get canceled one way or the other. He's fine. Well, the other one, I listen, I listen to Ben Shapiro all the way. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> no, I was listening to uh, The Dick Show, which you don't hear about any dicks. Mm. It's just Dick Masterson. It's fun. It's fun. Call um, me a prude. I'm just not into hearing about dicks. It's just... It's mostly I'm about boobs. It. It's very misleading. I'm mm. over my own. I don't care about anyone else's, for that matter. Fair enough. Listen, how was your week, though? Uh, it was. It was good. It wasn't filthy like all this nonsense you got us talking about here. No, Tom. I. And by the way, you didn't mention three albums. You mentioned two albums I never heard of, and, and podcasts as a, as as a format in general. Okay, so let's go. Pod, podcasts. Their new record is sick. Yeah, short change. The, the demo of that feeling, is better, though. Feeling short changed over here. Um, so I, I dove into a recent recommendation of mine. I just can't stop listening to Violent Dirge. Oh, from okay. Poland. Oh yeah. True. The the loud bass playing. Yes. Um, we knew that bass player very well by yeah, the end of that. Yeah. Wow. That album is on constant rotation for me. I if you missed that episode we had with Phil from Phil's Breakfast Metal. Got to check that album out. I would not listen to that with uh, my significant other in the car. I'd feel like there's a third person kind of breaking up the party. <laughs> right. <laughs> bass players <laughs> I mean, like in your face with the bass slapping it when you listen to that record. Irresponsible like, for driving. You wouldn't hear yeah. if the tire blew out. Yeah. You'd be, you'd, you'd be like, sir, I'm, I'm here with my wife. I'm trying to enjoy myself. Please get this mm-hmm. bass guitar out of my... F- All right. Well, listen, I didn't have any uh, intrusive bass players over the weekend. Dave Case was a gentleman at afterbirth <laughs> rehearsal. He always is. Didn't have any fiancés over the... I'm still on the market. 
picture that. Uh, Ladies, yeah, free agent lifestyle that I live of death metal and fast food. Um, uh, but I did, as I mentioned, I had a nice little afterbirth rehearsal. We saw the guys were jamming. You might have seen it on the Instagram Live, Instagram TV there for Heavy Hole Podcast. Yeah, it felt like I was there. Put a song. Well, I, I was holding a bass. I was I, ready. You know, I wasn't alone <laughs> there. I was alone at one point over the weekend. Hmm. And then I wasn't. I was joined by Tom's dad on Instagram Live. Hmm. Yeah, that's that, a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that. Yeah, that was that was <laughs> great. That threw me for... I was just getting ready to talk about uh, a classic Depressi death metal album. What Depressi, a great album. Yeah, great band, great album. And your dad just hit me up on the live, just videoed right in, just wanted to check up. He, he had no shirt yeah, I was going to say, I, allegedly. Uh, I thought he was trying to fight me at first. He might have uh, had a deep cut V-neck or something on. You don't know. No. This, that was the, <laughs> deep enough, have, deep enough for shoulders, the shoulders. To, have, yeah. I, thought he was, I thought he was trying to pull up. I thought he, <laughs> thought he was trying to fight me. I thought he didn't like something. I, maybe he's not a depressy fan. No, you know what? He's um, He is from Brooklyn and he has a lot of fight stories, but he's not a fighter anymore. Okay. He's, he's grown up. Yeah. He's hanging out. He's just warm. It's getting it's getting warm. Over He's here. hanging out, dude. He loves when you come by the house. You know, nice guy. No, and also shout to Mister Solman. We appreciate him. We appreciate anyone who wants to chime into the heavy whole podcast and say say what's up. Maybe you want to vent, bitch about something on the voicemail. We'll hit you with the number later. Yeah, you know what I mean. But okay, we're on the Instagram I've got come in, man. You know, somebody else who hit me up. Hey, Will, it's your old buddy here. We you know we played a show once in the you know. Yeah, my weekend was great. Um, I. What, wasn't Definitely, this guy already I talking? Made, he started out talking about his. I weekend. made some jerky, y'all. We st- y'all I said the, thank the first you. thing I said was the jerky. That was pretty good. Uh, I talked about the jerky already. Who's on the? Who we got on the pod today? I was getting to that. <laughs> I, 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 does he like jerky? I don't know. I'm trying to. This, this guy just like threw a fucking piece of beef jerky in the spokes of my segue for no reason at all. We opened up talking about how great your jerky was, man. Let me get another piece. Is there yeah, any left? Yeah, no, yeah. Try, I uh, want another you, piece you, you just remind, for that. A little reminder? This is good. Yeah. I, I, you hear that snap, snap? In the... This is kind of one of my favorite segues ever. Yeah. might not be the smoothest, but it has lots of character. It's a tasty. Actually, this jerky has a lot of character. Really. Listen. Wow. Thank you so much. Somebody guys. else who reached out, got in touch. Hey, Will, how you doing recently? We performed shows in the past. Uh, I'm a fan of the band Replicant from New Jersey. Hello. Shout out to Pete Lloyd. Um Interesting aside for the listeners, you may have heard our interview with Pete Brown of Hath uh, a few months ago. We're going to get into uh, some of the stuff that we talked about because Pete Lloyd used to be in dystrophy, currently in replicant. Maybe there's new stuff coming out. I don't know. Justin, take me out of here. This, this, this flavor is insane. I got the easy pass. Let's get him on the phone. Bing bong. Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast here with Tom and Justin, my loyal co-hosts as always. Today our special guest is Pete Lloyd of the band Replicant from New Jersey. How you doing, Pete? Good, fellas. Thanks for having me. Uh, our pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Hell yeah. 
Yeah, man. Uh, so we we just talked uh, behind the scenes a little bit. We're ready to get into it, Pete. And um, you know, uh, if you heard the show before, where I'm going, Pete. Before we talk about Replicant and your other bands, and uh, maybe a connection to a, a recent past guest and all that sort of thing, are you from a particularly musical family, or, or even anyone in your upbringing that was inclined towards rock, heavy metal, that sort of thing? Um, well, the short answer is no. Uh, none of no one in my immediate family like plays any instruments. Uh, grandparents, aunts, uncles, nobody. Um, I guess the only real connection growing up was my my dad uh, was born in England. He grew up in England, and he was real into like Zeppelin, Floyd, Cream, uh, and Hendrix. So he was always kind of playing that in the house. So always had that going on in speakers. So I really kind of like loved guitar from an earlier age. But uh, no one actually played any instruments. What were you? Um, in, in all honesty. Were you uh, taught some sort of bias towards American rock as opposed to British rock? <laughs> Definitely. Ah, I know that's a thing. 100%. He thought so, it was all rubbish. Yeah. No, not all of it, but. Also, I know... Um, so, Jimi Hendrix is technically considered English rock because of the way it was um, distributed. It was it was huge in England. Bef- okay, he was huge in England before he was anything in the states. He he was a he was American. He was American, okay. but I'm I'm saying he's English on the distribution level, and people were familiar with it. Like when the Who were popping off, he was big. But when he played over here at Woodstock, no one even knew who he was. He fucking opened it. Yeah. Uh, he. All right. We're gonna get into a full blown <laughs> Jimi Hendrix debate while we got Pete Lloyd on the phone because I got loaded feelings for that one. Um, shout, rest in peace to Jimmy, uh, one of my favorite artists. Pete, I didn't I didn't mean to make this a full blown war between the United States and Great Britain. I just thought that was an interesting factoid. Not our first time, <laughs> right, yeah, right there. No, no, totally, totally. I actually didn't know that either. So that's a fun fact. I did a roast mortem episode on him. Heavy research, but cool. you know we can talk. Uh, and, and also, I remember when we had Timmy from our local record store, Record Reserve, on here, he explained to us that the British pressings of a lot of those old records are actually better quality than you get uh, than the, the American pressings because of the uh, the distribution and that sort of thing. Interesting, yeah. I mean, my dad actually, he, he had a lot of vinyl and he held on to it and kept it in immaculate shape. So once I started kind of getting more heavily into music and grabbed a record player, he gave me all his old vinyl. Um, so I've never, I don't know like what the U.S. versions sound like, but I mean, it sounded amazing and I was like obsessed with it when I was, uh, when I was younger. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. Apparently British pressings of those old Led Zeppelin records are supposed to have better sound, allegedly better sound quality. But, um, regardless, we got listeners from all over, man. And we do have, we just interviewed a a, a few, um, uh, people of British descent recently, man. So shout out to them. No competition, man. Just interesting to me. Not anymore. Growing up, you talk about guitar. I like to ask this to our instrumentalists. Tell me about that very first guitar that that you take home, that you own. Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, when I was in middle school, um, a buddy of mine, one of my best buds, uh, started taking drum lessons. And his drum teacher started teaching him uh, Enter Sandman. So he was like, oh, yeah, you got to check this band Metallica out. So at the time, I was like pretty much listening to like like any '90s kid, like 311 and uh, Rage Against the Machine and No Doubt and stuff. So I heard Enter Sandman, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is so sick!" So I was like my 14th birthday, and my dad took me to get uh, a guitar. And I got a Yamaha Pacifica, which is like a Strat, like a kind of a shitty Strat 
clone. And uh, yeah, and that was that was the first one. And ever since then, uh, I haven't been able to put the instrument down. Did you uh, take lessons at that point? I I took lessons a little bit. Um, the guy I took lessons with was. I mean, he wasn't. He was a good player, but he just really didn't care so much about teaching. <laughs> so he was pretty much just like, just bring in a song, and like I'll show you how to play it, and then that'll be it. So I took lessons for a little bit, and then I just bought like a bunch of Metallica tab books, and uh, and then I pretty much just went out on my own. I, I've been in bands in the past with people who uh, tried to teach, you know, to make a little bit of money on the side and discovered that they didn't enjoy teaching as, as good as they were at their instrument. That happens sometimes. Yeah. It's a whole nother mindset. I mean, I respect the like musicians who can, can teach as well and have like that kind of foundational knowledge. Um, I mean, he was like a, he was like a sick riffer, but again, like he didn't really have a lot of like musical theory background. So he was just kind of like, yeah, I can show you how to like, you know, actually play him, but if you want to know any more than that, you're like kind of on your own. Okay, so um, now I I know that you at some point joined Dystrophy uh, with Pete from Hath, who we had on a few months ago. Uh, when you're in college, is that correct? <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. Okay, so prior to that, were there any bands before that, or is Dystrophy like your first real band? So. I was in like your kind of in like high school, like your classic kind of like punk cover band. So I grew up in like the mid to late nineties. Like I was in high school in the late nineties. Um, so, you know, just like playing like Blink-182 and, and MXPX covers and stuff. And then I got to college and, uh, you know, started really getting into metal and, and death metal. And, uh, I really wanted to start a death metal band, but I could not find like anybody that was into it, uh, at Rutgers. Uh, and then I, ultimately I met this guy who was really into like metalcore, like the kind of Boston metalcore bands like Unearth and Killswitch and uh, kind of stuff like that. So I joined a band with him. Uh, it was called Contrafate. And that was my first band. And we were probably a band for, I'd say like three or four years. Um, but I was really just like jonesing the whole time to be in a death metal band. So uh, yeah, my junior year, which was Pete Brown's freshman year, uh, is when I started looking for like you know some other guys to jam with, and I think you know from Pete's interview, like we kind of met through a mutual friend, and then uh, yeah, started distributing. Okay, so yeah, I didn't want to breeze over anything there, and I, uh, something I kind of neglected. We we got into that whole uh, crazy Britain debate, Jim Britain, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix debacle. This is going down Early. later. This is going down later. I don't want to cut into the yeah. interview too much. But. Yeah, yeah. So I I lost it, but. Uh, you're originally, uh, you're a New Jersey native, correct? Yeah, yeah, I grew up, uh, the Jersey Shore. Okay, and for our listeners who are not from the area, we've talked sometimes, like, we had Rob Wharton from Cognitive on, we've had a few, Mike Mayo, we've had a few different Jersey people, and we've talked about the difference between North and South Jersey. Would you describe, uh, where you're from as North or South Jersey? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and throw another one in the ring and say I'm from Central Jersey. Mm, okay, yeah. mm. all right. There's a classic jersey debate whether central new jersey even exists or not wow. uh, and i'm saying yes and that's where i'm from <laughs> allegedly wow man okay this is wild i know All right. it's crazy what's your what what's your father's opinion on it no i'm, 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 I'm just kidding <laughs> He's like, if it so, ain't england i don't care <laughs> all right so uh just just getting that down because um you guys are a new jersey band and that kind of that kind of factors into some things in your sound 
or any way. I, I read that into your sound a little bit, but we can get into that later on. Because uh, right now we're talking we're, we're talking about um, dystrophy. And just to catch the listeners up, if you missed our interview with Pete Brown, who's currently involved in the band Hath, H-A-T-H, we interviewed him a few months ago. You just explained, uh, and he explained in that interview, that you guys met in college. Um, he actually told a story. He said that he was a few years younger than you, and he showed up. It was like his first week in college. He's 18 years old. And he shows up to where you were living, I guess, kind of like an office, off-campus house, maybe yes. type of setting. Yeah. And your friend just offered him some beers, and and you know, it was like, like, do you remember him kind of being like very, like green and you know, like 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 you know, like new to the whole thing type of thing? De- yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah, so by that time, I was already a junior, and uh, I was living in an off-campus house in New Brunswick with about seven other friends, and. Uh, you know, you could say it was like a party house. Um, some some partying went down, and uh, yeah, I mean, Pete Pete was very uh, was very new to uh, to college, so yeah, I mean, it was it was cool. I mean, he was he was a great guitar player right from the get go, and I had I had like jammed with a bunch of other people, and you know, at the time, like when Just for Me was starting, like it ultimately like kind of morphed into like more of like a you know kind of wacky death metal core gutsy kind of thing but originally it was like way more like almost thrashier kind of power metal in a way um so i don't know i jammed with a bunch of other people and and it didn't really work out and soon as soon as pete came and we uh we plugged into like the amps i was like oh yeah this is this is sick like he's he's awesome so yeah but he was definitely a little little green around the gills (laughs) i i just asked that because respect to pete brown we had a great show with him and i love his bands um, and he just described that 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 way, just like showing up to jam with new people, new to school. These guys are offering him some beer. Sounds like a, a fun time, a uh, good setting for for like a movie, maybe too. Yeah. Uh, uh, what like what was that old school or something? But um, uh, uh, he something he did mention that I felt like set the tone for like like the uh, uh, the replicant uh, era uh, coming on was he said he mentioned that at some point you guys started really listening to a lot of gore guts and martyr. And that kind of flipped how you looked at what you wanted to compose. Is it safe to say that that uh, uh, kind of like happened happened and influenced the wretched hostful length for dystrophy? Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, at the time, I was just like obsessed with like a bunch of Canadian bands. So you know, Gorguts and, and Negativa too, mm-hmm. um, which was Steve Hurdle yeah. from Gorguts who played on Obscura, his other his other band. Um, and uh, and Voivod as well are like one of my favorite bands, and, and Piggy from Voivod is like a huge influence on my guitar playing. So yeah, like you know, Martyr, Voivod, Borguts, uh, Negativa, and like Cryptopsy. You know, pretty much any any sweet band from French Canada. <laughs> I was just like super obsessed with. So they all had a big uh, big impact on that record. Yeah, I mean, to, even to this day, um, uh, north of the the border, man, is is a very rich fertile ground for extreme metal there's always a lot going on up there uh shout out to phil two guy and, and, and all the gang up there um uh so with dystrophy you know i i don't want to breeze over it too much but you know we already talked about it a lot with pete brown and and, and i talked about how there's that kind of difference in the catalog especially right up to that last full length um he said that he wanted to write more death thrash uh, influence stuff and that you kind of wanted to go full bore into the dissonant uh, crazy thing that sounds like 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 what you're describing with this fascination with the Canadian bands at that point is that how you recall it definitely yeah yeah so 
Petey, Pete loved like I keep calling it Petey because that's what I used to call him back in the day. But um, <laughs> yeah, Pete lo- loved like Arsis and you know a lot of like the kind of more uh, I guess like technical metal bands like you know Obscura, Necrophagist, and I I really love those bands too. But I was just not good enough to play that kind of music. So whenever we would try to write songs like that, I'd be like, ah, oh, this isn't fun. Like this is just too much. It's like too much effort. <laughs> I want to like you know enjoy myself a bit. So um, yeah, so like that's kind of like after after Wretched Host, we kind of like decided like yeah, like he's he wanted to do his thing. I wanted to kind of get weirder with it and be like a little more experimental. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of bring in some other ideas that were maybe not like as straight up death metal. Um, so we kind of like yeah, that's kind of how it kind of left off and we kind of went our own ways okay and i just felt it was it was important to bring up um in the context of uh that transition because then do you you're obviously at this point i believe you're like the um the the remaining member from like day one replicant right yeah so um at some point in i think i think it was like 2010 2011 maybe uh, or maybe it was even before that. I I joined a band called Painted Rust, and uh, Painted Rust had Andrew from the band Tombs. He played drums on like Savage Gold and Path to Totality, and um, uh, this other guy, Rich. And Rich was a little bit older, and he was like super into like, human remains, kind of dying light, like the like the older kind of early '90s, like New Jersey death metal bands, and. Up until that point, I'd really never heard of them before. And he was like, what he was doing was just like very human remains, just kind of real out there. And I was like enamored with that like style of guitar playing. So, so yeah, so Painted Rust was around for a little bit. And um, it was cool because we had played a bunch of shows in the beginning with like early, like very, the earliest incarnation of like Pierron and Flourishing and uh, this band Humanity Falls. So it was like this kind of weird kind of scronky New York City death metal like scene that was like starting to kind of pop up. Yeah, uh, Esten and Ammo were in Humanity Falls if I'm yes. not mistaken. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Shout to both of those amazing uh gentlemen. Yeah. Great, great guys. Great dudes. Great dudes definitely. Um yeah, so we put, we would play a bunch of shows with them and there was kind of this cool like weird dissonant kind of thing going on around like 2010, 2009. Um, and then, yeah, and the Painted Rust kind of like split up and uh, Mike, who's the who was the singer of Painted Rust, who's also the bass player uh, and singer in Replicant. Um, mm-hmm. We were like, yeah, let's let's just like keep it going, you know, like let's keep doing the same thing that Painted Rust was doing, um, you know, but we'll obviously like start a new band. And uh, yeah, and then we pretty much started Replicant in like 2013, I think, 2014. So I think Dystrophy was still kind of a band like it was like right before Wretched Host came out but we already kind of knew it was you know we were not going to be doing it long term so uh after Wretched Host came out we played some shows and then Mike and I were just like let's just kind of roll with uh with Replicant okay and and you start out with uh Matthew Thompson um who was drumming in dystrophy playing drums for Replicant right yeah exactly yeah so the originally Replicant was uh was called Shroud and um, Andrew from Tombs and Painted Rust was going to play drums. Uh, and our buddy Dan was going to play bass. And Mike, me and Mike were going to play guitar because Mike plays guitar in uh, his other band, Windfair. And then um, Andrew ended up moving uh, to Ithaca and then to California. And then so Matt, who uh, was in Dystrophy, 
I was like, you know, he was like the only other person that I was like, he, like, it's got to be Maddie then if it's not going to be Andrew. So, yeah, so then it was me, Mike, and Matt, uh, and our buddy Tom, who was in, is in the band, like, he's in a million bands, but he's in, like, Siege Column and Death Fortress and a b- bunch of other, like, awesome New Jersey bands. Um, and he played bass uh, on the first EP uh, and for, like, the first year or so. Okay, yeah, I did see that when I was looking you guys up today. I we um I think Justin brought in Siege Column to the show a while ago. Very interesting Nuclear War Now band. I, I love their whole artwork and aesthetic, man. It works. Yeah, yeah, they're awesome. Those guys are in like literally a million bands. Yeah. Um, and they're all like they're all sweet and they're all like super lo-fi. Um, but yeah, sh- definitely big shout out to those dudes. Uh, all right, interesting um, connection there. So all I'm getting at, just trying to set the stage for Replicant, very interesting band. Um, uh, so you guys uh, uh, eventually find your 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 sound, uh, uh, anyway you find the beginning of your sound, and in 2016 you put out the Worthless Desires EP. That was the initial first release, right? Yeah, yep. Okay, and... Um, Besides, uh, two years later in 2018, uh, Negative Life is the full length, right? Mm -hmm. Besides that, you haven't put out any full length material. You have a series of EPs, right? Yes. So, um, I guess, is there, is that, uh, uh, did you set out with that in mind? Did you endeavor to release a series of short EPs? I know as an artist in some of my bands, we like that idea rather than doing, um, uh, full length after full length, or is it more like a result of maybe getting different sounds together? I know you guys experiment with sound a lot too. Yeah, so I mean, it was pretty interesting because like worthless, worthless desires. We had we had the first like four songs that we were working on for like almost two years at that point, and you know I decided to just record it. So I pretty much recorded um, like all I recorded Wretched Host, and I recorded the first three or four. Pretty much everything Replicant's done it, up until the Hypochondria EP. Um, so yeah, so I recorded uh, Worthless Desires, and we had actually... So Wretched Host came out on Self-Made God Records out of Poland. Yes. And um, and then at the time, we didn't have anything... Like, there was no label or anything for, for Replicant. And uh, when I had posted the Distribute Wretched Host album on Bandcamp, I, uh, I shouted out, like, Steve Hurdle... And Piggy from Voivod in like the liner notes, and uh, this guy Remy from PRC Music up in Canada, he uh, he just like kind of came across it, and he actually was really good friends with Steve Hurdle. Uh, he used to run like a, a record store in Montreal in the '80s, and uh, he had been running PRC Music for a while, and he put out the Negativa EP. Um, so he was like really just jazzed. I think that I shouted out Steve, so he had wanted to put out. The Wretched Host album, but we had already, you know, kind of signed with Self Made God, and you know, I've been doing it with, um, with them. And I was like, hey, like I'm starting this other band. Like if you were, if you have any interest in uh, putting out our EP, like that'd be awesome. So he ended up putting out Worthless Desires and uh, and then ultimately Negative Life. But um, yeah, so then pretty much after that came out, we just had a bunch of songs, and you know, we our friends uh, had asked us to do a split with them, which was the, you know, Bot Lamb, who are also from mm-hmm. New Jersey. They're kind of like a kind of grind band. Um, so we did the Welcome to New Jersey split with them, and then uh, we did the Chasm of Aeons, uh, and then the Hypochondria one. But yeah, I mean, like you said, like we were just kind of like, you know, we always, me and Mike, like always have lots of ideas, and like we have lots of influences, so we're, we're always trying to kind of see where we can go with the sound. So 
yeah, rather than like committing like a full length to to an idea, we just you know kind of like see see if it kind of works on the shorter side of things. And you you said that you record um, the majority of that material, so that so that makes it a little bit easier to just kind of go in do two songs here and then a few months later do another three songs here type of situation, right? Yeah, exactly. So we've had a studio in New Brunswick for like ten years, or or probably even more than that. That like distribute had. And uh, yeah, so I've been operating like a recording and mastering studio out of there. So yeah, uh, I've, one I've recorded... stone recording, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. So yeah, so I've been I've recorded all the stuff, and you know, like you said, well, it's like super easy. We can go in like just mess around for like an hour, and if it sucks, it's just like just delete it and come back and you know another day and try again, or just like really just explore the space, you know. So. Okay, and, and you know, you, I want to stop you there because you mentioned the uh, Welcome to New Jersey split with Bot Lem, if I said their name right. That came out on CDN Records. That's another long-running Canadian label, right? Yep. Yeah, we actually spoke about them when we interviewed Cam Schwartz of um, uh, the Growl death metal documentary. Uh, he talked about working with CDN Records for some of these uh, old-school upstate New York represses and, and things of that nature that he's involved with. Uh, just for the listeners. And so CDN Records is a classic, long-running Canadian label. You talked a little bit about how PRC Music is actually run by, if I, got, if I remember what you said correctly, a guy that was, that was uh, acquainted with Steve Hurdle back in the day who ran a record store back, back uh, in the, the old era, right? Yeah, his name is uh, Remy Cote. Remy Cote. So I, this is interesting to me because a, a few minutes ago you were talking about your influences and what really got got you to maybe diverge from what you were doing in dystrophy into what you eventually did with Replicant Soundwise. It was a lot of those Canadian, you talk about Voivod, Negativa, Gorguts, so on and so forth. All that energy you're putting out um, and, and taking in from, from those bands, even though you're there in New Jersey, you, you end up working with two Canadian record labels. I mean, yeah. that... that it's not even so much a coincidence. It's it's just it shows what you're fo- you know you're focusing so much on on that sort of thing that they took notice, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So Carlos from Botlam, he's in Animals Killing People with Ammo. Oh, okay. Wow, man. There's a lot of connections I didn't see coming right here. Yeah, a lot of New- yeah. New Jersey's uh, <laughs> we're all we're all buds over here. So um, yeah. So I think I think Animals Killing People had did, had done something on CDN, if I'm not mistaken. So so Carlos. Um, like knew him pretty well so when we when we decided to do the split with them he was like oh let me let me hit, like talk to them and you know hit them up and see if they're interested and they were like yeah let's do it so um yeah so that's how like, the how the cdn kind of thing came about okay that's interesting to me man and um uh now then you mentioned um uh, hypochondria of the machine ep that's actually your first release with james applegate on drums right after matthew thompson leaves did i get that right yes yep okay so um i mean you know i you know obviously it's a new drummer is there anything of note that you want to talk about there uh yeah i mean maddie you know love the guy like he's one of my best buds but he just kind of he needed to take some time to like focus on himself um, and just kind of like step away from music for a little bit. So, so Mike, um, Mike is in a band called Windfair, which is like a kind of folk, kind of like folky black metal band. Great. Ba- I wanted to get to that eventually, but yeah, if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. Okay. Yeah. So, so James is the drummer in Windfair and I was actually in Windfair for a few years as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, as like a live guy, I didn't play on any of the albums, but um, yeah, I was in the band for about four years, five years almost, and um, 
but yeah, so like once once Matt kind of decided he was gonna he was gonna leave the band, we uh, the first person we were like, oh, we should get James. Like he'd be perfect. And um, yeah, and he was like super down. You know, he was, we had played some we had done some stuff together, and you know, like being like super close with Winfair, like you know, he knew me already. So yeah, I mean, it was just like it just made so much sense. So he and he was super into it. So we uh, yeah, we we got James in the band in October and then we released the EP like two months later because we just like as soon as we started jamming with him we just like had all these like ideas so we just like wrote a few songs and we took the two best ones and then recorded it okay and and something I want I want to ask now because you talk about uh you know having a new drummer in the band and I I say this with respect to uh Matthew Thompson his work we don't want to um uh, compare and contrast anyone like that in a negative way, but we recently had Steve Schwegler from Pieron on the show, and I talked about how, in my personal opinion, as a fan, as a listener, I liked um, Steve in Pieron, and I liked their former drummer Alex Cohen a lot in Malignancy for different reasons, different styles. Everyone's got a different style, and I'm not putting anyone down. What would you say in Replicant's work is stylistically or even behind the scenes and writing uh, um, and composition-wise some of the differences between your two drummers that, that you've worked with. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, Maddie comes from a real... Like, he loved, like, The Police and, like, 311, and he used to... He was in, like, a few punk bands and, like, kind of more, like, rock bands. Um, like, Distribute was his first, like, metal band that he ever played in, and... Matt like had amazing like hands like and like improv improvisational skills, but he wasn't like a real like I guess like trained death metal drummer you know so you know but he would he can like really just come up with amazing things on the fly, whereas James is more of like a traditional like metal drummer like you know like really amazing like double like double bass chops and you know has been in like a bunch of death metal bands so he really kind of. I guess he just like has more of like the conventional like death metal drumming style. So once kind of James came into the picture, we were like, okay, like we can kind of write, you know, because Negative Life is very open. It's kind of airy. There's a lot of almost like improv to kind of looser parts. Um, so when James came in, we were like, okay, like let's not like, you know, kind of like make it more like, like tighter and focused uh, and not like drop like the kind of improv spaciness, but just kind of you know, bring in some more, I guess, conventional, like, metal uh, styles. A little more uh, straightforward, rhythmically, sometimes, man, I think. Uh, yeah. And, well, here's a question, too, while we're talking about Replicant. Um, you, there's always been an element of groove uh, there. Uh, and, you you know, you record, like, it's kind of like you wear a, a certain... Uh, um, uh, Gore Guts and Demolich and you talk about Voivod, Negativo you know all these bands you wear that on your sleeve as an influence in a way but you also adapt it more to a groove in a lot of ways would you agree with that and is that is that intentional? Oh yeah definitely <laughs> yeah so I mean Mike and I are like obsessed with just like old New Jersey death metal bands um, so like again like Dimac The Dying Light, uh, Human Remains you know Demonacy uh, Revenant, so bands like that, and like those bands are real heavy on the grooves, you know. Um, so like to me, it's like I love real straight up dissonant, you know, like your ulcerates and and bands like that. But like to me, it's like I need, and like again, I actually kind of 
I grew up like listening to a lot of hardcore as well. So like I loved like hardcore and punk. So like to me, it's like I I need that like kind of groove, you know, to like catch on to. So I kind of always wanted to do like you know groovy but weird at the same time. So yes, yeah, yeah, so the groove is like a big element of it for sure. It it makes sense, and I don't like it doesn't. Because I'm trying to word this the right way, but it it doesn't translate to me as like deathcore or whatever you whatever word you want to you know label you'd want to put on it. It's like it's decidedly metal, but there's that groove element to it without seeming, I guess, reductionist like a lot of like groove oriented stuff can be. You know, you still have that progressive quality to it. It's still kind of expansive and, and dissonant. And 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 from release to release, you also tend to kind of surprise people. Sometimes the vocals are a little different, or like like actually, just for the listeners, I noticed today we we caught Metallum on something, Pete. It's not listed on Metallum yet, but your new single uh, "Caverns of Insipid Reflection" that's on YouTube uh, from the upcoming Malignant Reality release on Transcending Obscurity Records uh, was dropped a few days ago on YouTube, right? Yes, yeah, it came out on Friday. Yeah, but Metal Archives doesn't know yet, apparently, man. But but we we got you covered here on Heavy Hole Podcast. Excellent, so be, excellent. You guys always do your homework. Yeah, man. So I'm just I'm kidding, by the way. Metallum gave me every other like bit of information <laughs> in this interview, but I did catch that one, and it's a great song. I enjoyed it, and it seems like again, like you're wearing the groove on your sleeve. You guys like kind of are owning your sound now, and what I'm getting at too is maybe you could talk to. Does you t- you said hardcore? Uh, you said older New Jersey death metal, which I totally get. I see where you're coming from with that. What about hip hop or even new metal? Do those play any role <laughs> into the into the inspiration? Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. I mean, I like I like some older hip hop. So does Mike. Um, I don't think it comes through as much in the music, but Mike is obsessed with corn, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which makes a lot of sense. <laughs> There, a and lot was, of corn got played on those artificial brain tours. In the yeah, band. A so lot. Mike. Oh, sorry. No, yeah, I'm, a, a lot. All right, but go ahead, Pete. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, um, yeah. Mike loves corn. I really like corn, and um, it's funny because if you listen, you know, a lot of people think, I don't know, like corn has a lot of influence. I think that people don't really associate with death metal. Um. Because I always thought of it like, you know, the song uh, on the Obscura album, uh, Nostalgia, has like that part in the middle where it's just like a straight up corn riff for like three minutes. It kind of is. Yeah. It, it really, there's, there's, not a, there's not really any way to get around that. But yeah. it works. It works. So it works. That's it works. all that matters. Shout to Luke. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's, you know, biggest influence on me. But, you know, hearing that record and listening to some like, you know, Life is Peachy or, you know, or... Um, follow the leader i'm just like yeah like this is like one step you know <laughs> one step away from obscura so uh yeah i mean big influence like you know mostly corn I, I wouldn't say any of the other like kind of bigger new metal bands but um yeah i mean there's definitely like an, a little bit of a little bit of that that just like kind of pops up every now and again actually not even a little bit a lot of bit. well, <laughs> well having been forced to confront the corn discography in a in a track tra- in an enclosed space in a tour van <laughs> Over and over again over the years, I I don't hate corn. I, I enjoy it. I've come to the conclusion that with a different frontman, I probably would have always enjoyed corn a lot more. Uh, you know, my my 
I'm not using a pun here, but my issues <laughs> with corn. Go on. <laughs> we got to air horn that one. Are not uh, with the music as much as with Jonathan Davis's um, uh, shtick as, a, as a, a lead man. You know, it is what it is. It is what it is. He looks like a puppet. He really does. <laughs> but he's probably a nice guy. Hey, I might get along with the guy if he was here, but it just the the, the singing and the yeah. I, I you know it's not, a lot. It's a lot. I'm, I'm sorry he had to go through all that as a kid. I bet you he wrote every corn song early on. Uh, he's he's the band early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one day early in the morning. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I um I definitely know where you're coming from. I feel that it's like sometimes the vocals are the they're just so I don't know. I guess whiny or you know or just kind of like it's just it's a little bit. It's a little bit much sometimes, but yeah, yeah so I, I totally get that. I'm actually way more of a Deftones fan if you want to go new metal. I mean, not not that I'm like a stand for the Deftones, but I always kind of enjoyed their their thing a little bit more, especially after that that White Pony where they switched it up, kind of. But yeah, yeah. I mean, but, that stuff that stuff is good, and it, we also played that a, a lot of Deftones in the van because uh, Mike's yeah. also big Deftones supporter. All right, man. All right, so shout to New Metal. We're not mad at you. The, I like the, the jeans work a lot better for me now than the skinny jeans. Nowadays. Jeans are coming back in, man. Yeah, Jinkos are so back. I, I like that. <laughs> the riffs dude. are back. The Jinkos back. Mud veins together again. Yeah, it's, it's all good. It's all, all well. I mean, that's uh, we're easing you in, but this is becoming a New Metal podcast very shortly uh, <laughs> coming up. But anyway, all right. So getting back to Replicant, though. Um, uh, you know, and I did kind of, I, I kind of casually dropped, we're joking around about Metallum, but you guys did come out with that new single. So I'm to understand that you guys have a new release. Can you tell us if it's going to be a full length or an EP or what's going on with this malignant reality on Transcending Obscurity Records? Yeah, so it is a full length. Okay. Yeah, Sweet. so it's t- 10 songs, 50 minutes. Um, yeah, so it's coming out on Transcending Obscurity. Uh, I think the reason it's not on Metallum yet is because there's no release date. Um so, but yeah, so probably come out sometime in the summer, maybe late summer, early fall. Um, yeah, and that was the the first single. All right, man. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's like it's it's hard to even say. Like, I want to say like it's 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 a kind of a departure. It's kind of different, but it's like all your stuff is a different departure from like anything. Like you always kind of switch it up. It's different. But as I said, it seems like with that main opening riff, you really lean hard into the groove element without losing the dissonant element. So it's definitely um, uh, replicate. Can you tell us anything else about this upcoming album? Um, well, like going into it, was it, first of all, was it recorded entirely like during the pandemic? Was it a pandemic project? And is there any intent on it to sound a certain way, maybe different than other releases? Uh, yeah, so it definitely was a pandemic project. Um, so we had, I guess, yeah, going into 2020, Right, Hypochondria had come out at the very end of 2019, and we had maybe one or two songs written, and we were we knew we were going to do a full length, um, you know, because we had, like you mentioned before, we had done a few EPs and some splits. Um, so yeah, so we knew we wanted to do a full length, and we started writing all the songs in 2020, and we had planned to not, we planned to play a bunch of shows uh, last year, but it wasn't going to be anything really heavy because we really did want to focus on the album. But um, yeah, obviously everything came to a halt in uh, in March. So yeah, we pretty much just worked on the on the album uh, for like the spring and the and the early summer, and then we recorded it uh, in the summer and the fall. So uh, you know, it's kind of a crazy process, just because you know 
we couldn't really be in the same room a lot, so a lot of it was written in isolation, which might have contributed a bit to, you know, because a lot of our a lot of our stuff in the past, we we had come, we would come in with like a few ideas, and then in the studio. So Mike writes a lot of the music as well. So he plays he plays guitar, but in the band he only plays bass. But him and I uh, write all the music together. But he would write a lot of it, like the bass. Um, like the the kind of like the first layer of a lot of these tracks and then I would kind of come in and like kind of make it a little weirder uh, You know on top and then we would kind of you know, just like jam in the studio and come up with with wacky shit But since we weren't able to meet up we kind of had to do it all in isolation. So um, Yeah, I mean it definitely definitely had an impact on the album in general, but we we knew like ultimately Going into it. We did want to write a record that was a little more in your face a little like a little tougher um, you know, we really liked the way the Hypochondria EP kind of came out. Uh, we know we wanted to, again, a little, incorporate a little bit more of like that kind of groovy, almost like decap, early kind of decapitated, uh, like I'm, I'm obsessed with like the negation by decapitated. So I just wanted to write a bunch of like hard ass decapitated riffs, but like make Fuck them yeah. weird, you know? One so, of the best. One of the finest. Kind of- Tom, Tom and Justin just lit up. That's like they're, <laughs> you talk about decapitated, it's on with them. Yeah, that's yeah. half my life. I just want to sit around and write weird decapitated riffs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> go go ahead, Pete. Sorry. Oh no, no, yeah. I just I listened to like those first four decapitated records like over and over and over again. Well, you know, here's something. We we busted out the new metal question and we went on that tangent. We're talking about decapitated, uh, listening to uh, to them over and over again. Here's a question I've been popping up every once in a while. Uh, you talked about listening to corn in the van. What else goes down in the van when you're when you're when you're t- on a tour or, or traveling to, to play a show before the pandemic? Like real quick, what are your top three Pete's turn to drive albums for the for the uh, for the road? Hmm. Well, definitely the first in Mac record, Enter the Dragon. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, it's so ridiculous, and I love it. The Artificial Brain guys introduced me to the music of Dim Mock when I first joined that band uh, very early on. They were huge into that. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's great. It's Brandon Thomas, the drummer, is so amazing and underrated. Um, yeah, the, he's in the listen. Dying Light as well, I believe. Yeah, he yeah. He was also in Ripping Corpse. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, another big one for us. Uh, yeah. You know, being from Jersey, it's like you have to. But um, yeah, so Dim Mock, Enter the Dragon. I say uh, this one's kind of a totally out of left field, but the first Cocteau Twins record. Hmm. Okay. Uh, That's why I asked these these questions. That's great. Uh, so, tell me about that a little bit. I'm not even familiar with that. Yeah. So Cocteau Twins were a Scottish kind of gothy synth pop band. Yeah. From Scotland, and their first album is called Garlands, and it's like super spooky and a lot of the kind of more airy or just like experimental if you will parts of like replicant are like really influenced by that that record um it's just like you know super super open and just kind of dreary um and just real weird interesting okay i i like that and i gotta i gotta check i mean i've obviously i've heard the name the cocktail tunes but i've never really checked them out in depth i I know they've been associated with what people call like the goth scene over the years and that sort of thing yeah yeah definitely they're i mean all their stuff's great like later later it turns into like real like kind of synth pop um and it's like way more i guess like major and like kind of a little happier but the first one is real dark and spooky uh so it's it's awesome and uh 
Yeah, so th- and the third one would be King Diamond's Abigail. Wow, my classic. classic. Because uh, I I know every single word to it, and I just make everyone, I punish everybody in the van by singing along to the whole album. And do you hit my, those notes? Um, I used to be able to. It's been a, it's been a minute. I'm probably out of shape, but I used to be able to kind of get up there, do a shitty King Diamond. You could you could hit him on the guitar. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Always try though. Yeah. Always try. You got it. Yeah, you got to try. You got to try. So. Now, we're talking about your favorite stuff. I want to talk a little bit about sci-fi because Replicant is, you know, it's like obviously it goes without saying. I, w- I would imagine that it's more of a science fiction influenced band. The name Replicant to begin with, and also you guys did that uh, Chasm of Aeons split on Desert Wasteland Productions with Inoculation, Astral Tomb, and former guests of the show Cryptic Shift, which was totally sci-fi themed with that cover art, right? Oh yeah, yeah. The that Bruce Pennington. Uh drawing is amazing so yeah super sci-fi style so what what's some other science fiction that has inspired the music the lyrics the art of replicant over the years maybe even a few things that we might not expect yeah i mean so i'm i'm a sci-fi like freak uh i love like old like philip k dick and and arthur c Clarke and isaac asimov and ursula k Le Guin. so like i used to read that stuff all the time and come up with like wacky song names you know from like from those books um so obviously replicant is you know the name in in blade runner of like the androids um which are funnily enough in the book they're not called replicants at all they're just called androids but um yeah so i mean pretty much just like you know when we were starting the band i was like well i love sci-fi and replicant is a sick name and then i looked on the archives and there was no replicant so i was like there's there's the winner it was just like a a replicant zero or some shit it's a good feeling when you look up a band name and nobody has it yet. <laughs> I know, yeah. I mean, because like the first place you go is is you know Metallum, and it's like I was like, oh my god, this is it. I did notice that too. Typing in Replicant, there was you mentioned Replicant Zero. Man, did they miss the target? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't find that one, man. I just, yeah, I mean, you type in Replicant, it's just Replicant and Replicant Zero. And if you're the first one, if they were, if they were first. Always take the single name one. Yeah, it's way better yeah. for Google searches. Come on, oh, yeah. unless they're a new metal band, then it. You know, True. Good yeah. point. Um, all right. So, uh, and what about maybe just one other piece? Whether it's a book, a movie, what's something a little bit? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to dig deep here, Pete. What's something that maybe people should check out that you don't think gets enough credit or, or enough shine, or people don't know about as much over the years that you've always enjoyed? Hmm. Well, I mean, again, like yeah, like big time sci-fi freak. Uh, I think my favorite sci-fi book is called The Dispossessed uh, by, by Ursula K. Le Guin. Okay. Uh, I definitely recommend checking that out. It's amazing. I think it came out in the 60s, maybe? Dispossessed. Okay. Interesting. All right. Got, got to do the research on that, man. All right. I asked for something obscure, and I got something I didn't know, man. I gambled, and I got it. Excellent. Right. Excellent. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so a lot of the, a lot of, like, the kind of... The chords that I use are like kind of piggy from Voivod chords, which are, you know, it's just sound like the soundtrack of a sci-fi movie. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like a big influence, but lyrically, so Mike writes all the lyrics and he's not like really into sci-fi that much. So none of the lyrics are really sci-fi based. It's mostly, uh, just like more of like a musical influence and obviously the name. That's interesting because the song titles and lyrics sometimes can be vague enough that they could imply that maybe they're there's some kind of subtle sci-fi reference that's that's cool man that's interesting yeah and um 
Uh, you know, we talk about this uh, Malignant Reality album that's coming out on Transcending Obscurity Records uh, soon. Like I said, people can check out that one single, ca- uh, Caverns of Insipid Reflection. Uh, there's a YouTube video for it uh, at the moment. And all the other Replicant releases are there on Bandcamp, uh, if you want to go back and, and um, uh, reflect on the catalog. Now, Pete, we talked about your old band, Dystrophy. Is there any other uh, uh, musical endeavors um, any other projects you might be working on, or is Replicant just your main hitch there? Yeah, no, Replicant is pretty much it. Um, I was for a while. I was juggling like four, like three or four bands. You know, when I was a little younger, I was just trying to do as as many bands as possible. I was always in like a hardcore band and a metal band and a and like a punk band. But then, um, yeah, pretty much after Distribute and and like Painted Rust, I was just kind of like, I'm just gonna like focus on the, you know, focus on the one thing and. Uh, just kind of put all the effort into that. Okay, and I don't want you to give away any secrets or anything. Not that you would or spill any beans, but I, something that occurred to me while reflecting on the catalog today, like I said, listening to the releases and the different songs, we, you know, you, you, you kind of, um, you got me very intrigued with that uh, Cocteau Twins reference, how it inspired some of the, the more atmospheric parts, because that's what I was uh, um, uh, thinking about with these more atmospheric parts. It's very cinematic. That's another thing that kind of like ties in for me as a listener with the science fiction theme is that the songs themselves almost uh, are they're cinematic. They have this kind of like storytelling vibe, the way you go different places atmospherically. And I wanted to uh, ask, are there any plans that you ever think about maybe adding um, additional instrumentation, uh, acoustics or stringed instruments, or stripping things down to make like an acoustic album or something of that nature? Oh, yeah. So on so on Malignant Reality, our buddy Ben, who um, he actually helped track some of the albums. So uh, I didn't actually record this, this upcoming album. So our, our friend Ben did a lot of the tracking, and he's in Windfair. He plays the violin, and uh, oh, okay. he actually so he actually played some violin on on the album. So we got some violin. We have a little bit of theremin um, from Cody from Thank You Scientist. But yeah, I mean, the Cocteau Twins and like really early uh, kind of like Pink Floyd and like that yeah. kind of like '60s like psychedelic stuff is like again like really kind of like bringing it back to the beginning, like super big for me. So. There's a lot of just weird kind of noises and atmospheric stuff that kind of, I guess, like permeate throughout the whole record. So, like, it almost kind of ties it all together, like you were saying, in like that kind of cinematic way where, you know, like even at the end of like that single, there's like a bunch of like kind of weird and space noises that, you know, trail off and they kind of like appear like throughout the record, whether it's like in this, in a song or, you know, in between songs. And, uh, and then at the end of the album, there's like a lot of it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love, I mean, I love, like, bands like Slayer and, like, those thrash bands where just, like, you know, every song kind of, like, you know, there's just, like, song, 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 and it's just, like, a collection of, like, sick riffs after the other, but, <laughs> like, I always like to kind of have more of, like, a theme, right, where it's, like, it's, like, a, a big movement broken up into pieces as opposed to just being a collection of, like, you know, riffs, yeah. so, um, yeah. yeah, so that is definitely, like, a part of it that I really kind of like to focus on. Yeah, um, sounds like like I like I said, especially with that one new track. I'm very excited to hear the whole new album. Um, again, not like it's hard to say whether you, like like whether you guys have stuck with your sound or switched it because your sound is kind of always kind of flourishing and changing in different ways. But but it's signature in a way too. It's it's an interesting one to pen down. And it's also I wanted to just uh, to say, you know, you talked about New Jersey hardcore and that sort of thing and. 
Um, Replicant is it sits in a very interesting way in the current climate of hardcore and death metal crossing over between one another to the point now where you have a lot of hardcore bands that are basically playing death metal stylistically. You know, and, and, and vice versa, even in some cases, man. It's crazy now. The the crossover game is is varied and interesting now. Um so I feel like replicate like with that with that groove oriented dissonant death metal, you have a weird kind of and you sit you also like are comfortably in the cinematic sci fi pocket of death metal too. So it's it's cool, man. Um, something for the listeners to go back and reflect on and check out. And hey, another uh, thing I, uh, people should check out before we get out of here, you've talked about a few times uh, Windfarer, and that's uh, W-I-N-D-F-A-E-R-E-R, which is a band that has both... Uh, is uh, What's uh, Mike's last name, your bass player? I don't want to get it wrong. Uh, Gonsalves. Mike Gonsalves and James Applegate, your drummer, are both in Windfair. I gave it a sample listen today to check it out. Really highly recommended stuff. Very, It's like heavy and brutal black metal, but also still very atmospheric and um, uh, kind of sad sounding. And that violin really makes it. It's really interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. Uh, yeah, Ben, the violin player, he's the same violinist uh, you know, that recorded some of the album and... Uh, you know, played on the album. He also played on Wretched Host as well uh, on the first and last track. But yeah, they're amazing, uh, amazing band, great guys. Like obviously Mike and James, you know, uh, the Double Duties. But yeah, definitely, definitely great band. They they actually have a they have some some new album a new album coming out as well this year. I think this year or early next year. So it'll be one to look out for for sure. Hey, just to backtrack a little bit, like so since you've been producing your own music and recording, um, what was it like? recording this new album and having someone else do the tracking um was it kind of like a relief I, i've gotten like talking to producers and musicians like i've gotten mixed reviews on that like sometimes it's good for the musician to like step away from actually tracking and engineering and sometimes they lose their mind if they don't what are your like uh what was your experience like with that uh yeah it was awesome <laughs> so yeah. i uh i kind of was at the point after doing like wretched host and negative life where it's just like it's so intense to like write, record, mix. So I never mastered them. We'd always, we'd always had somebody else master it, but it was just it was just a lot, you know. And you could just sit there for literally forever and just tweaking things and redoing things, and it's just never done. So when this album kind of you know when we had when we had all the songs written and we were like trying to decide what to do I was like guys I can't track it it's just like you know it's too much and I, I need to just be the musician for once um, and they were like yeah that's great no worries so yeah it was awesome it was it was definitely weird at first to just show up and just be like okay yeah I just gotta play guitar and then that's it and then I can go home um, so I ended yeah. up tracking I tracked the bass with Mike um, and I tracked the vocals um, but I didn't do any of the mixing or mastering that's good. Yeah, sometimes you just got to give up control. You get a better product out of it. Yeah, yeah. From and going forward in the future, like I'll probably do our EPs and stuff, but I'm never gonna do it full length again. <laughs> yeah, d- different animal, man. And um, what now? I mean, we don't. You know, it's it's hard for you to say because obviously, like you said, like when you were producing and recording the the, the older material, you're right there in the mix. You're you know you're kind of you're you're in, inside that bubble. Uh, but what do you feel it's Ben right that recorded this new one so Ben tracked 
the drums and the guitar, and then I tracked the bass and vocals, and our friend Bobby, who has a studio called Frightbox Recording uh, in Clifton, yeah, Clifton, New Jersey, uh, he mixed it, and then Colin Marston mastered it. Okay, shout, shout out to Colin. Okay, so it was kind of like a team effort. I was going to say, what do you what do you feel like a different producer brought to it? But I guess it's kind of like everyone's just pitching in at that point. You know? Yeah, because of COVID, really. It's like, you know, we couldn't really all be yeah. in the same place a lot. So it had to be very like, okay, like everything was written, you know, like there was a few things where we got to improv, but like on Negative Life, we like improvised a lot because, you know, I recorded it in our studio and, you know, obviously there wasn't a pandemic. So we could take as much time and hang out as long as we wanted to. But this one we had to be a bit more deliberate. So we had a few little places here and there for like improv and just like noises and stuff. But ultimately we had to really, you know, there wasn't as much like producing. It was more just like, okay, like this is what it's going to sound like, you know, and then whoever is with, you know, the engineer that day, just do it because no one else will be there to, <laughs> to tell you, you know, whether it's cool or not, or, you know, whether to try something different or not. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a different bag. I know what you mean, man. Um, so, uh, with that being said, uh, Pete, as we wrap up here, um, we're going to give you an opportunity at, at the end to plug uh, anything else and to pl- uh, plug the upcoming album once more. But uh, you know, uh, I think you've, you've heard the show before. We always, at the end, ask you to recommend one older and one newer album by any artist you like for the listeners. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, cool. So, we'll start with the old so I'm going to go with, uh, you know, Got to Respect New Jersey. Hmm. So we're going to go with Demonacy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There were Morbidity Within Comp, which uh, came out in 2014 on uh, Lord of the Flies Records, which I don't think exists anymore. But okay. it was essentially like a collection of everything they recorded from like 91 and 92. Yeah, great band. Kind of like a, they were like a early slam, like demonic slam band, kind of right. Yeah, yeah. So they, yeah, they they label themselves as demonic slam, uh, which I think like I don't know, maybe like obviously like Suffo and and you know the Long Island stuff had already kind of been established at that point, but the uh, you know definitely like an early slam band, a uh, lot of groove, um, like really punishing, and that's. To be honest, a lot of like the influences on the new album uh, really, do, really do come from like those like six or seven songs because it was just like really disgusting chords and but like you know real chunky kind of slammy yeah. presentation. Yeah, I gotta go back and revisit them, man. And another, not to step on your toes here with your recommendation, but you got me thinking when you're talking about suffocation and the Long Island bands, but then the New Jersey bands, a great New Jersey band that was right up there, in my opinion, with 90s era suffocation and pyrexia was in Satanity. Uh, still still around, still in the game with, a, a, I think, a much different lineup now, but I remember that original run in the 90s was really brutal and amazing, man. Oh, yeah. Insa- I never heard of them. Definitely got to check Gr- that out. Great band. They suffered a little bit in the 90s because they wore corpse paints in their early promotional shots um uh they sounded more like a suffocation type of band and that was in the mid to late 90s when the corpse paint thing was not getting you over <laughs> in new york and new jersey yeah, yeah. so they that's they, it hurt them a little bit and um they they put out some material though that is definitely they did a split with uh immortal suffering new, a new york band that's still around uh, but that's highly recommended for, for just for the listeners, too. If you like that old school, brutal American death metal in Satanity, 
don't let the, the corpse paint um, throw you off. But I'm sorry, Pete, not to step on your recommendations. Uh, I just feel very strongly about Insatanity. Oh, yeah, What's not your... at all. I mean, that's sick. I definitely can't wait to check that out. Yeah, peep it, man. Um, and what's your newer one? Uh, yeah, so the newer one, I mean, there's there's actually, like, a ton of good shit uh, that's come out already this year. Yeah. Um, but the one I've been, like, obsessed with recently uh, is this record from a band from India called Moral Collapse. Mm, okay. Um, I think it only came out, like, a month or two ago um, on Subcontinental Records. Uh, and, um, yeah, Hans Grossman from Obscura, Necrophagist, and, like, a you know, a million like tech death bands. Uh, I think he's he's a session drummer on it, um, but it's it's really good. Like technical death metal, but not like overly technical. It's got a lot of interesting instrumentation. I think Kevin Huffnagel plays like a solo or two on it, um, and there's like a violin and a saxophone. It's like it's like real wacky um, and like really really good. And and the songwriting is awesome. Moral collapse from India. Yeah. Okay, gotta check that out, man. Interesting recommendation. Yeah, it's a it's a self title or the record's called Moral Collapse. Okay, cool, as well. man. All right. Um, uh, so Pete, uh, we appreciate your time talking about your history a little bit and about the band Replicant. I mentioned already uh, several times, and I'll say one more time that the Malignant Reality album is going to be out on Transcending Obscurity Records soon. Do you have any other th- uh, anything else to plug? Or any other messages for fans of your music and listeners of our show? No, I mean, yeah, mal- some malignant reality. So I think uh, we have another, like, a music video coming out in, like, two weeks. And I think that's when the pre-orders go up and the release date and everything. So, yeah, I mean, really, we're just, like, super stoked on it. You know, um, I think it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be real weird and real in your face. So, <laughs> you know, we're, yeah, we're pumped, man. Really, just can't wait to start playing shows again and uh, and hanging out and, you know, being in being a death metal dude so <laughs> yeah i miss being a death metal dude with other death metal <laughs> dudes uh myself man at all those shows in those creepy places we used to go man um we we, we played uh some some good shows over the years man and uh hopefully i uh, it would be great to see replicant again uh, uh live soon man we wish you guys the best coming up with this new album and of course like everyone else we talked to lately uh we wish you the best in getting back to a more productive Uh, performance and work cycle as a band as this pandemic um, hopefully lifts and and people can get back to some some, uh, real life, man. Yeah, fuck yeah. But thank you very much for your time, Pete. We appreciate talking to you and uh, good luck with everything with Replicant with the new album. All right, yeah, fellas. It was awesome. Thanks again for having me. Hell yeah, man. Cheers. Thank you, dude. Good talking. All right, have a good one, guys. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Pete Lloyd of Replicant. Thank you to him for his time uh, talking a little bit about the band, some of the things behind the band. Didn't 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 see a couple of those things coming. Caught two twins and it's intriguing. Uh, they got a, they got an interesting sound. Replicant. I'm looking forward to the new album. Absolutely. Yeah, kind of a cinematic, um, uh, uh, dissonant space like landscape, but it's in New Jersey. 
Yeah, there's 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 a there's a guy selling oranges on the turnpike. It's a catch. There's yeah. a catch. You know, we and speaking of catch, I mean, we were kind of chatting before we were talking to Pete about how it's like a, a catchy dissonant kind of thing that they have going on. We didn't use that term during this because we don't want to fluff our guest ego that much. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to fluff anybody. That's, no, that's that's weird. So that's it is my weird. other podcast, uh, but it's definitely oh. like <laughs> you know we were talking about it before the uh, the interview, but. Then the key word during the interview came up, and it was corn. Mm, and it was yeah. a lot of uh, great overdue uh, respect for corn. Uh, I'm proud of everybody on the show today. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, I'm proud of you guys. Uh, I couldn't be prouder. Actually, I, I could. The only thing that could make me prouder than our um, uh, championing of the band corn tonight is if you guys could come through with a couple of solid recommendos for me, something something to listen to. This week now, uh, bringing in some uh, some new-ish uh, fucking crossover. We're talking about some crossover, talking about hardcore, talking mm. about like and metal, talking about white flying Vs and shit like that. Oh. Um, I got uh, Mind Force from Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, awesome. Some upstate jamming. Their 2020 EP, Swinging Swords, Chopping Lords. Which, uh, fuck, man, does, if that doesn't define what you're listening to, I don't know uh, what definitions are. <laughs> um, really crisp, honest, bright, uh, beautiful hardcore record here, uh, or EP here, um, by this band Mind Force, who's been absolutely killing it uh, since 2016, just putting out EPs and singles and splits. Uh, they got a full length from 2018, uh, all just super quality, but um, I really love this kind of like I said, like honest, refined approach to uh, to bringing in what I think is like a very Randy Rhodes inspired, uh, for sure tone, um, but like kind of a riffage, you know, minus the, the shred part of it um, to upstate hardcore. Uh, the vocals are super fun, man. They're, it's I love that yelly shit when it works right, and uh, I've been really fucking digging this Mind Force. Uh, they the members of this band also. Uh, are in this band called uh, Living Laser, I believe that's the name. Um, kind of a similar approach, but there is some really awesome uh, shit going on in hardcore, I think, upstate, c- counteracting what's kind of happening with like Gulch and Tsunami and stuff out in California. Um, really soaking into this whole thing. So check it out, buds. Uh, Mind Force. Yeah, I loved the way this EP progressed. I really did. St- that those notes, those kick-ass notes, the, that picking at the beginning, ah, uh, just like where are you going, boys? Nice left turn, a yeah. lot of fun. It's it's really interesting to hear this because like I remember when you started hearing like the uh, in the in the or mid to late '90s, the Victory Records crowd was kind of like taking what maybe Slayer and bands like that were doing and grooving it up and adapting it and 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 that sort of thing. And then, like now, it's almost like they're leaning more into that that '80s metal, like the you know maybe the metal that wasn't as thrashy, like you're talking about Randy Rhodes and that sort of thing, man. Just that more flashy metal, and getting some like the, the tone is really interesting to mm-hmm. go with crossover and some of those riffs. It's it's got a fresh sound for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. not like that. You know, I guess like you know you talk about like crossover like you gotta mention power trip and that like obituary infused hardcore that really kind of blew up and i think 
became synonymous with with what crossover should be. Uh, but yeah, this taking influence from like Randy Rhodes, like like Tesla, uh, fucking Night Ranger. I hear like that kind of shit going on. Um, that real like '80s metal uh, kind of style. And that's what uh, that's what it. hooks you in too. Is that it? Kind of like it's, it's got a little bit more soul to it. You know, it's right. The tone is like yeah. the tone seems like so dry and brittle in a way where you could just feel the player, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. I'm all about it. I'm changing my life based on this. <laughs> it, it, I'm making it does, turns. It has a really pure kind of 80s sound to it. It's cool. Tonight's, I bring in a recommendation. You know, we were talking about Canadian bands, Gore Guts, yeah. things like yeah. that. So I um, I just so happened to stumble across this band right here, Gore Lust. Mm-hmm. Really good band. Never heard of this one before. This is a new one. Only this week I've stumbled across. And their album, Reign of Lunacy. Yeah. Huh. Really wow. good one, man. Something... I, I've been into this one for a while, and I'm glad I had a... I, I'll, I'll be real with the listeners. All I own is a burnt CD of it. From the early 2000s, it's awesome. I'm not that sick. No flex here. But great album. Um, and I've always kind of had it in my mind as something that should get as much respect as maybe Cryptopsy, uh, Aborted even. I feel like it predates a lot of that kind of like more modern, blasty, brutal yeah, death there's metal. A, there's a lot of ideas in here that are very modern, but yeah. the, the tonality is very 1995. Yeah. Like, we're not jetting into the future with this tone you know um this is a tone very much of the time but the ideas that are put down on this album it's not that any one riff is the killer riff it's the way it's all put together and how they catch off guard here and there with the tempo changes and stuff and these little oddities um but i want to start with this album cover Uh, (laughs) i'll paint a picture it's a man in a piano um, which does harken to Mario 64 when the piano comes chasing you. But this Mario is not as lucky. Uh, he has no pieces of pie to keep him alive. He's been eaten. He's in a pool of baby grand blood with an axe across the keys and letters that are certainly from the IRS on the floor within a pentagram. It's dark. It's actually really disturbing. It's almost like imagery that like Edward Gorey would use if he was a little more uh, raw with it. You yeah. know? And this this victim is he is dressed business casual. Yeah. Um, so the yeah the the origin of those papers definitely some sort of reports. Uh, yeah. Or something and and as as much as like I'm having fun with it, it's actually a very alluring album cover. I like it. I like something that's refreshing and it's it's not your typical death metal, but it's also very death metal at the same time. So. Inside, like I said, it's got sick riffs, but what really draws me to this is, like, the drummer playing with the guitar player the way he does. Now, I like, I came up with this idea in my head of calling these drummers, like, on-duty drummers. They're not just, like, like worker drummers. Like, like Paul from, from Cannibal Corpse, he goes to work. He's at work. But these, like, other, bi- like, this drummer, Flo Monnier, Lily Gruber, those guys are on duty. Yeah, okay. Like, they're, they're upping it. Like, it's not just, here's the riff, play something. It's, here's a riff, now play something totally unexpected. Um, 
guys like Kevin Talley and stuff. They just, you, you know, taking, subverting any expectation. Um, I think that this guy right here, uh, he really nails it. His name is Francis Marmon, and he's in a few other bands. Um, but I, I really like his performance here, and it plays very well off of the other excellent instrumentation throughout this whole album. Um, everything pops. Uh, this band was active from 91 to 96 and broke up, and they got back together in 2012 and put out a full another full length called We Are the Undead, which I did sample, worth checking out as well. So two full lengths, worth checking out. Definitely Reign of Lunacy. Give this one a few spins, and if you really like it, check out We Are the Undead. It's more modern, 2015. We're talking almost 20 years later or whatever. It's fantastic. Check it out. Gore Lust. Yeah, I really like this. Okay, so from uh, Prague, we got Sniet. Um, it's S N E T. Yeah, but it's got some um, snet accents. Okay, listen, snet. You guys snet. who listen to the show know I get ambitious with the last names and the the words from other languages. I like to try to spread my wings and pronounce things. If I get them wrong, I get them wrong. Much respect. Uh, Snet, I'm gonna say. Uh, from Prague. Brand new band. Um, they had a little, little cute little demo promo back in uh, 2019. Two songs. Um, that was enough for the good old Blood Harvest Records. Uh, we talked about them a little bit when we had Rune on. We had Mahel Jason Satan on from Rune. Um, Blood Harvest Records, really sick label, putting out sick stuff, so you know it's gotta be sick. Uh, just put out their full length album. Makvani Vokovic. I don't know. Um, everything is obviously not in English with these guys, uh, but you can. There, there are like, there's like some. Uh... Okay, Justin's got the Google Translate. Uh, apparently, it translates to the word mildew as the band name Snyet. I hope I got that right. And I looked up the album title uh, Makvani Vokovic before. Um, I think it was soaking in shackles. So I, I love the kind of interesting, evocative imagery these mm -hmm. guys are into already. And they have one song called uh, Demon. So we kind of we're, 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 we got some common ground right there linguistically. But enough! Enough! Because in Prague, none of this is even unusual or notable. It's just a different language. This is a great fucking band, and you got to check them out. Um, really awesome full-length album, uh, Fresh Out the Gate, these guys, with an amazing sound. Very reminiscent of Autopsy. Like a billion other bands, but what these guys do differently, uh, they they infect it with so much character, um, some really catchy lead work, some cool kind of atmospheric uh, lead guitar parts and solos, and there's something here that reminds me of early Amorphous. When I say early, I mean Privilege of Evil and Karelian Isthmus era Amorphous. There's something going on here that evokes that atmosphere and that dark lead work. But these guys do it in a very almost psychedelic, haunting, dreamlike way. 
Um, there's something here in this raw, uh, cryptic graveyard production. Like I said, it evokes a little bit of that old autopsy, uh, a little bit of old Amorphous, and a lot of other classic bands I could bring up right now. But these guys have a kind of dreamlike, uh, hallucinogenic, psychedelic uh, uh, thing going on uh, subtly on, underneath the, uh, the, the, the first layer there, underneath the skin. Um, so check it out, man. I don't want to talk it up too much, but it's something brand new and fresh. Uh, the the checks over there, man, those guys do not really fuck up with death metal or grindcore. They always step it up. And this is another example because so many bands, uh, you know, nowadays are embracing that old school style. There's a lot of good ones. I'm not knocking anybody, but these guys managed to do something really original, but within the confines of that OSDM sound. This is like real cool, raw dungeon shit, man. Check it out. So I'm going to say Snet until somebody corrects me, but that's Snet from Brock. Snitch. Sounds like I was right. Yeah. yeah if I right, Snitch. <laughs> Trying to play some voicemails. Should I transition to that less clunky, or should we just do it? Uh, Tom, I'm just glad you're here. So, <laughs> so go ahead and rip those voicemails. You can do whatever you want right now. Oh, okay. Hey, dude. Yeah, Tony Baldoni here. What up? You know. I gotta say, the Heavy Hole is a beautiful program. I'm enjoying it very much. So I want to thank you. I ordered some pink cassettes this morning off some recommendations. Martiferoff, beautiful. Vomit Forth, the latest uh, 2021 promo. Very excited. And a dangerous thing. Oh. A little upset that I missed out on the coffin, but uh, that's all right. Still wanted to support. Very excited to uh, play the tape. Check it out. Riffs on top of riffs. Beautiful thing. Now, I appreciate you shouting out my ski emporium for beautiful multicolored jackets for gentlemen. Uh, they'll be available soon. Still working on the uh, all the details, but uh, the ski emporium is open in the Poconos. If, uh, if you find yourself out there, look up Tony Baldoni. I appreciate y'all. But one last thing, if you see Tommy Morazzo, you tell him to shut his mouth, <laughs> selling those damn leather jackets. Mm. <sighs> wow. Did we Oof. inadvertently start this epic beef that's currently going on? You might have seen it on social media, uh, Boomer Facebook pages everywhere, between uh, uh, the, the what was that, the Med- the Maldazzo, the, uh, these Italian names. I uh, know, the, yeah. The, the leather shop and Tony Baldoni Ski yeah. Emporium. Did we start that somehow? Did we not shout out enough leather shops in the Poconos, too? I I don't know. I'm, I, I'm honestly a little confused. I'm happy but confused. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready so, to go. I'm ready. I'm fucking amped. I don't know what for it right now, but like, <laughs> is I, yo, I'm, Tony go. Baldoni plotting a hit while listening to Mark Morrison's smash hit single, Return of the Mac? 
You know, if we get pulled down off our RSS feed, it's because of that voicemail. I Oh, my God. Listen, <laughs> I don't want any more problems with Tony Baldoni or any of his leather jacket people. Let's go. Play that. Play some Italian music right now. Let's yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Let's tint some windows. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> Shout out to Dangerous Thing. Beautiful thing. I love that. Yeah. You, he's, <laughs> maybe was that a code because you didn't have any of the coffin boxes left? He's going to put you in a coffin? Oh. Uh, d- d- dude. Don't mess with these guys. I love it. There's a reason he's out there in the Poconos. There might be one more avail. I don't know. I don't make them. So I, I don't. I, I got some. Actually, the next, the next dangerous thing, and he's just inspired me. Uh, the the foot. It's going to come in cement. It's going to be a little cement shoe. <laughs> oh boy! Listen, yeah. I don't even want to hear this next voicemail in, unless it's less threatening. No, I think this is. You know, got another friend of the show here. Gentlemen, once again, this is Patrick from Crypticus, and once again, I'm calling just to tell you how much I love the show, and uh, in particular this time, I wanted to uh, shout out to Will, because I was listening to the episode with the uh, gentleman from Sanguisuga uh, Bog, and uh, Will was talking about how he has no time for the jibba-jabba when it comes to silly grind, and I am with you, sir. I got no patience yeah. for that shit. I, I, I'm an old school gore grind guy. I love when the grind is evil and dark and uh, preferably pathological as well and medical if possible. Yeah. But uh, yeah, when the bands start getting into poop and <laughs> dressing up in silly costumes and shit and uh, yeah, just uh, making, making a joke of it, I, I kind of wonder if they're... Uh, not, not trying to destroy grind from within. You know what I'm saying, Will? And also, I'm with you with this stupid live shit. I don't want to see any gross shit. I don't want to see any food being thrown oh, around. Uh. I don't want to see any poop thrown around. I just want some good, dark, evil blasting. Thank you. I love the show. Love you guys. Keep yeah. it coming. Bye-bye now. Yeah, Pat from Crypticus. I like that. Did he just propose like some sort of new conspiracy theory? These infiltrators into Grind to destroy it from within by smiling and Don't get having... me started, Justin, because we could do a whole nother podcast about this. My one. fucking antenna just went straight up, dude. Just oh. like, like, there's got to be certain tells now. I feel like we got to start putting wires on these people. We got to start micing amps from the back to really understand what's going no on. No more than yeah. one band member who currently has a healthy relationship. That's how that's <laughs> That's my rule for yeah. listening to Ben. Yeah. Listen. I'm with this guy, dude. I you know, I, I You've been I, saying this oh, very angrily to I me. I like jokes. Oh, yeah. You like, I like to laugh. Yes, you do. You know, the BBC got it right. Little Doc Martin, little keeping up appearances. Good old British humor. I, I, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. What was the other one? Mm-hmm. The uh, fa- Faulty Towers. Faulty Towers. Yeah. 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 Little nice jokes. They wear nice clothes. A lot of jokes. Keep the fucking jokes in the BBC. We don't need them on, uh, in our grind core. All right? Uh, we don't... I, I'm good on that. All right? Uh, and you know what? I... That, that got a little bit of heat on social media. People chiming. A couple of people agreed with me, like Pat from Crypticus. Shout. A couple of people like uh, to I, like their fart jokes mixed with their brutal grindcore music. I, I, I don't know, man. But um, I did say to someone behind the scenes, we are going to give, I think, uh, 
a fair coverage to um, to to some artists that are more of that ilk. I think it would be. I think it would be fair. It would be. I'm going to reach out behind the scenes, and I think we got to get this joke band dialogue going between me and and one of these one of these jokers. Mm-hmm. Find out who they're fucking they working for. Out. Mm. Who are they working for? Who's yeah. putting them up to this? Yeah. Well, that that puts a whole other spin on it. Now yeah. I got to. I'm not going to call them up from the landline. I got to. I got to reach out to them some other. Got to get the burner phone. Yeah. They still sell them at Seven Eleven little flip phones. Yeah. yeah the one. Do. The one by me. They sure do. We'll do um, it on the burner phone. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. Real, I like Pat from Crypticus's style with that. Now I'm very paranoid about joke bands. Mm-hmm. Are they? This, are they actually? It's, is it more than like a joke? Right, you know, is it is it a real? Is it a joke within it's a joke? joke? It's not a joke. It's the joke on us. Yeah, mm. Tony Baldoni uh, got a Return of the Mac. Is that a coded message? <laughs> Dude, like rappers, you know, I'm rappers will. You know, oh my god, I'm, I'm, I'm following very, the breadcrumbs. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. But uh, a man who should be able to sleep very well tonight, knowing that his malignant reality album with his band Replicant is going to be out on Transcending Obscurity Records very soon. Pete Lloyd and we thank him for his time. Uh, I'm going to remember my time with Pete Lloyd tonight very well as um, the last time in my life I I was able to get a good night's sleep without worrying about Tony Baldoni shooting me because I bought a leather jacket at the wrong place. What the hell is going on? Yeah, careful where you buy your jackets because you got to have the right thing watching your back. I'm not going skiing this year, guys. I'm giving back my pass. Mm. I know we all bought the pass together, and we got the, the That's nice, where we spent the Patreon money. The lime green, pink uh, ski suits and all. I, I'm I'm putting mine on eBay. I'm not going to. Or if, if the listeners want a 4X lime green ski suit, holler at me, okay? <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Heavy hole podcast. Listen, but if anybody else wants to call up... Uh, let leave the leather jacket talk out of this. All right, let's just concentrate on nice, bright, fluorescent color ski suits like we used to. Yeah. Before. Also, sorry for the delay on these. These did come in like a week or two ago, and it's just been yeah. busy. You know, Tom, I've been out of town and things happen. But uh, I Tom was heard the Tony Baldoni email. We had to ship them down to Georgia. I heard that witness protection. You remember before you were asking for another recommendation, what to listen to while yeah. you're driving? Oh, that voicemail. Thanks. That was it. On repeat. Anyway, check out the number. 631-837-3274. Oh, okay. Call Give it, it a call. What if I'm on the run, Tony Baldoni sees me, I need to lay low and get some new clothes? What if I want that new Heavy Hole Podcast t-shirt? That's great, dude. So, yeah, you want to maybe go to some sort of, like, internet bar, like, you know, pay cash and uh, hit up heavyholepodcast.com uh, slash shop takes you right to the, the the old store right there you know the old fence uh buy a shirt trade money for shirts it's yeah. great it's easy uh, it's all made up anyway possible money, shit yeah. Yeah. okay possible talk, bags of jerky i don't know talking about fencing merchandise <laughs> let's say i get the wrong leather jacket tony baldoni has it out for me he's sending his cousins uh it's all bleak i turn rat big will uh, allegedly hypothetically turns rat for this plug of our uh, Patreon, and I'm, I'm in witness protection right now. I'm in mm-hmm. Arizona. I'm allegedly selling ecstasy. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I got some time to kill. I need to listen to bonus episodes of the Heavy Hole Podcast. Where do I get that? Patreon.com slash Heavy Hole Podcast. Okay. And there we are working on building a catalog that you can visit and mm-hmm. listen to us off the regular feed. We get a little spicy there. Yeah, it gets a little spicy. 
uh, in case you got to run. Maybe you got to go south of the border, hide out from Tony. I don't know. Um, this whole thing got me shook. We got to wrap it up. I'm going to go home, and I'm, I want one of you to start my car. Okay. How many? One. How many what? You said one of you. I want one of you to oh. start the car. It was just a quick dig. One. One.